I ask you about your favorite song because just like every once in a while you get to sing your favorite song. And once in a while I get to preach out of my favorite chapter of the Bible. Anybody want to guess what that is? <laughs> it's in Romans. Yeah. Which chapter? Eight. Eight. Oh, I love you guys. Chapter 8, and uh, what I want to talk to you about this morning is, is uh, I titled it Disconnected. But if you'll begin in verse 31, we'll read through the end of the chapter, and uh, we're going to come back, and I've got uh, seven points. But uh, verse 31 reads like this. It says, what shall we say then uh, to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Do you, do you see just out of that very first verse? I went back and started reading this again. And immediately God started speaking to my heart just out of the very first verse. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is He that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, not height, not depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Father, again, we love You. Thank You, Lord, for speaking so clearly, so plainly, into my heart and into my life. God, for using good friends, Scripture, the Holy Spirit, to minister not only to me, but God, through these words we pray that You'll minister to others that may have had some of the same feelings that I've had for the past couple of days. God, we invite You. We need You, not only here in this service, but God, we need You in our hearts, our homes, our families, our lives. We need You in our nation. God, we need You in this world. Though the world has turned its back on You, help us, O oh God, to turn our faces towards the cross, to remember who You are, what You've done, God, what You've promised. Lord, help us to look at the promises that are shared with us here in just these few verses this morning. We'll praise You for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm just going to start back in verse 31. I started to start in verse 1, and I figured we would be here uh, a little too long if I went through the whole chapter. 
But I, I do want you to at least look at verse 1. If I can get these two pages to separate in this Bible. Uh, verse 1 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And you look at verse 31, it says, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who? I started to just name this uh, message uh, one word, who? Who? Because there are so many who's. Uh, actually, I'll read them off to you real quickly. Uh, Roman numeral one, who can be against us if God be for us? Roman numeral two, who can hinder the providence of God? Roman numeral three, who can lay anything to our charge when God has justified? Who can condemn us? Number four, when Christ has died for us and has risen again. Number five, who shall separate us from the love of Him who gave Himself for us? And then five, who shall separate us from the One who gave Himself for us? And then number six and seven, we have the answers to those five questions. Who? But you look at verse 31 again, and it says, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, and here's the who, who, who can be against us? The Lord, if the Lord is on my side, the Bible says in Psalm 118 and verse 6, it says, If the Lord is on my side, I will not fear what man can do to me. Sometimes we feel a little disconnected. Not only, not only sometimes do we feel disconnected vertically from here to heaven, but we feel disconnected horizontally. We feel disconnected from our wives, our husbands, our children, our grandchildren. Sometimes work takes precedence in our lives over the other things that need to be uh, on the front shelf, really, of our hearts, our homes, our families, and our lives. And, and we, we forget, really, what this is, is all about. But I know that if the whole world comes against me and my home and my family, our church, our community, our nation, boy, you turn on the TV, you listen to our commander-in-chief and uh, to the people that are in Congress and the Senate and all of the newscasters on the radios and televisions, and you wonder what in the world is going to you know, be the outcome uh, of America. Amen. And we've got to, as Christians, understand if the Lord is on my side. Now, I can look at our congregation and I say, praise God, we've got a bunch of good folks here in this church that love the Lord, that are committed to Him that are dedicated and, and striving to be faithful to God. But we look around the world and we think, boy, I wish the rest of the world was a reflection of what our church is like. That if we could just absolutely share our hearts and our lives, our homes, our families with the darkness of the world, then it might turn a light on and everything would be all right. But ultimately, we've got to look inwardly. If the Lord is on my side, I will not fear What's going on in the world? I will not fear what man can do to me, and I will not fear what man is doing to the world around us. Of course, we realize that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Greater is he. I put out a little thing about David and Goliath last night or yesterday evening late uh, on Facebook 
that uh, said, greater is he that is in you than the giant that is standing before you. And, and may I say that that is true. If we have the Holy Spirit of God, if we have God living on the inside of us, old things, as I always say, have passed away. All things are new and I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. And the love of God is genuinely set, shed abroad in my heart. Then what is it in this world that I have to fear? Who can be against me? If I realize and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is for me and that I'm for Him and that I am His and He is mine and I'm in Him and He's literally living in me. How do we? How are we in Him? By coming to His house, by staying in His Word, that hiding it in our heart that we might not sin against Christ. Christ comes to live on the inside of us and we abide in Him. I'm the vine, you're the branch. He that abideth in me and I in Him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. So if those things are true, why is it that we should feel disconnected? Why is it that we should feel separated from a God who lives on the inside of us? Secondly, Verse 32, of course, all the resources of God are for those who are for Him. For Him. Are we for God? Are we for Him the way that God is for us? And if we, uh, you know, abide in Him, and if we live in Him, and if we are faithful to Him, and if we are hiding His Word in our heart, then you look at verse 32 and it says, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, really, what I added to that, just you know, a little bit, uh, who who can hinder the providence of God, knowing that God has spared not his own son, that we might be purchased with a price more precious than silver and gold. And if God spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall the world, which is what we were talking about in verse 31, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? And He that delivered His Son for us, how can they hinder the providence of God in my life? Are You You know what providence means. God's take care of us. All of our needs are already met in Christ. My need for salvation was met in Christ. My need for sanctification. My need for eternal security. We talked about that a little in Sunday school this morning. That uh, Galatians, we were in, started Galatians chapter 2. But down in verse 16 it says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So we're not justified by doing good works. We're justified by the finished work of Jesus Christ, the providential care of God through the finished work of Jesus Christ has supplied my every need. Not only my every need for salvation, but Galatians 3, chapter 1, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you, this only would I learn of you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the flesh? Or did you receive the Spirit by the hearing of faith? How did you get saved? Did you get saved by grace or by works? Well, obviously it's by grace. Are you so foolish, he goes on to say, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect or kept perfect? I got saved by grace. I'm kept saved by grace. 
through the finished work of Jesus Christ, the providential care of God. And what this is saying is who can be against us if God is for us? And if God is for us to the point that He would sacrifice, crucify, kill His own Son for me, then what is it that I should feel disconnected and separated from God over? Why should I have a distance between the one who lives on the very inside of me? Literally, He is in me. Christ in you and the hope of glory. Well, Isaiah 54 and verse 17 says this, No weapon that is formed against them shall prosper. I remember an old spiritual song that used that exact verse. We used to sing it out in the prison a lot. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And it's so so true. We understand that no matter what the world, what Satan, what the flesh throws against us, if God be for us, who can be against us? And no weapon that the world forms against us as Christians, the children of God, can be successful against us. Who can hinder the providence of God in our lives? For if when we were enemies, Romans 5.10 says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled to God by the death of His Son, we shall be saved by His life. My friend, in Him, in Christ, every need that we have will be met. You're Christ. You're His. And all things that are His is yours. How will He not, the Bible says, freely with Him give us all things. Well, thirdly, you look at verse 33. Remember what it says in 31 and 32. Who can be against us if God be for us? And who can hinder the providential care, knowing that God spared not His Son? And in verse 33, it teaches who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect. Verse 33 says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. My friend, listen, I remember God questioning Job. When Job had already denied his friends over and over and over and over through 30 some odd chapters of the book of Job, I have not sinned. I have not sinned. I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know what's wrong. But you must have done something wrong over and over and over. And it was one friend, four friends, one after another, just interrogating Job until all of a sudden God shows up. And God handles his four friends and then turning his, his uh, laser eyes upon Job. He says, oh, by the way, Job, where were you when I spun the earth, put it on its axis, and left it hanging in space? Do you know how I did that? Do you have the power to do it yourself, Job? Can you even add a cubit to your stature? Can you make yourself grow an inch? Can you take a hook and hook Leviathan, uh, a, a sea monster, and drag him out of the ocean. Who do you think you are, Job? And may I say that this is basically saying the same thing in verse 33. Who, who do people think that they are that can come against the church? Come against Christ, come against God, come against the church, the people of God. You remember when Paul was on the road 
to Damascus. God slapped him down, blinded his physical eyes with a light from heaven, illuminated his spiritual eyes and asked him the question, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I can almost hear in Paul's sharp mind saying, Oh Lord, no, I've, I'm not paying, I'm not persecuting, I'm not persecuting you, I never, it's those Christians. Oh, I see what you're saying. Me persecuting them is persecuting you. Who shall lay anything to God's elect? Is the same thing that Paul was doing. He was laying a charge against the people of God, not realizing exactly what it was that he was doing. Our heritage as children of God is this. Isaiah, what I read a while ago, 54, 17, No weapon formed against them shall prosper. And when Satan attempted to bring charges against Joshua, you, this is not Joshua that led the children over into the nation of Israel. This is the Joshua that was a high priest in Zechariah. You look in the book of Zechariah chapter 3 and verse 1 through 4 and you'll find these verses. It says, And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. Now here's the picture. Joshua the high priest standing in front of the throne of God, Satan standing there, and the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord is, is his advocate. Of course, Satan is the person bringing the charges against Joshua. And it says, Satan standing in his right hand to resist him or to accuse him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this man, Joshua, a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed in filthy garment. Was he sinful? Yes. Are we sinful? Absolutely. Are we robed in filthy garments in and of ourselves called the flesh, the old nature? Yes. Yes, we are. Now Joshua was clothed in filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spoke unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. God says, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold... Joshua, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from me. I have caused. You didn't cause it. You didn't make a choice. You didn't make a decision. You didn't decide to go take a bath or get baptized and wash your sins away in the water of Faraday, Louisiana. But I have caused thy iniquity to be taken away or to pass from thee. And I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know that we have been clothed in white robes, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, and clothed in white clothing of purity and holiness. Who can be against us if God is for us? Who can hinder the providence, the care of God in our life? Who can lay anything to our uh, charge if God has plucked us out of the fire 
as a brand and has washed our iniquities clean in the blood of His Son. And who can condemn us? You look at verse 34. Who is He that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who maketh intercession for us. Isn't that a beautiful thing to know that who who's going to be able to condemn us when Christ has died for us and has risen again and is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, making intercession for the children of God? My friend, how in the world... Can we feel disconnected when we have so great a salvation that has been bought and paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ? Having died with Him, we are now risen with Him. Free, as it said in Galatians. We are free from the law. We live in liberty, not in bondage to the old law. Verse 1, remember I showed you verse 1 of this chapter a while ago. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. We stand without condemnation to those who are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And we cannot be condemned by God or man or angels or even demons. Standing there at the throne of God, waiting to bring a railing accusation against us. When Jesus Christ, He opens His mouth and says, Oh yes, but I purchased Him. I bought Him. His sins have been paid for. He's clean. You you look at verse 35. Who shall separate us? From the love of God. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ who gave himself for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, famine or uh, nakedness or peril or sword? Well, of course, we understand the answer to that is that nothing. What, What shall... Take away the love of God out of my life. Frederick, uh, I believe his name is pronounced Layman. He he wrote a song that we sing uh, out of some hymn books. I don't know if it's in all of them or not, but it's called The Love of God. They they say that that last uh, verse of that song, it, it goes like this. Could we with ink the oceans fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. They say he wrote that, he wrote that song and he couldn't get the last verse. And there was a verse that was penciled on the wall of an insane asylum that was found in a man's dorm when they took him out to bury him. And these words were the words that were scratched in pencil on that wall. Who's going to separate us? Could with ink the oceans fill? And were the skies of parchment made? 
Every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry. Who can separate us from the love of God? My friend, there's nothing on this planet that if God set His heart on you before this planet was formed, and He knew everything about you that you were ever going to think, say, or do, and He set His heart, His love, His affection on you, even then, why in the world should we be disconnected or separated from a God who has loved us from eternity past and will love us into eternity future? I have given unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. John chapter 10 verse 28. The Lord's people have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. They are too precious to be cast away. Cast away. John chapter 13 verse 1 says this. Jesus having loved his own which were in the world. He loved them unto the end. Do you understand what that means? That if he loved the apostles. If he loved the disciples unto the end. Then all of those who have believed on him. Through the words of the apostles. That Jesus Christ has shed abroad the love of God. In their hearts. Then he's going to love them to the end as well. Well. Who can be against us? Who can hinder the providence of God? Who can lay anything to our charge? Who can condemn us? Who can separate us from the love that is in Christ? Two answers. You look at verse 37. And it says this, Nay, in all things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. We, we, who, who, who are all these verses really talking about? Well, not, not the ones who are coming against us trying to separate us from God. But they're really about us and about the one who loved us and died for us. We are more than conquerors, but not in and of ourselves. Not because of who we are or what we've done. But we are more than conquerors through Him, Christ Jesus. The power of conquest, the aggressive work, for God is not done by us. It was done by the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God, the Bible says, who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, the Bible says. The blood of the Lamb is the sharp, two-edged sword, the Holy Spirit's weapon, my friend, I want you to know something, that we have that two-edged sword right here in our hands. The Word of God, the sword of the Lord, is in our hands. And we can claim the victory by the Word of God. But lastly, you look at verse 38 and 39, and you'll have the message. Not only are we more than conquerors through Christ, but we have an assurance See, we have a steadfast hope. Not a hope so, maybe so, think so hope, but a sure, steadfast, I know so hope in Jesus Christ. You look at verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God 
which is in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. That day. The day that the Lord returns. The day of judgment. The day that I stand before Him. Give an account of my life. I'm not keeping my life here and now in order to be sinlessly perfect that I might not have anything to answer for at the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. Jesus Christ was sinlessly perfect for me to give my answer at the Bema seat to be this. Why should I let you into my heaven, Mark Richardson? Were you sinless? Were you perfect? No, sir. No, sir, I wasn't. But Christ was. Christ was. And He died for me. He paid my debt. And the only only leg I have to stand on to limp through the gates of glory is what Christ did. That is my only assurance of heaven. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, But according to His mercy, He saved us. Lord, we thank You so much for Your love, for Your mercy, for Your grace, God, for the blessings that You've given to each and every one of us. God, You're better to us than we could ever have hoped to deserve. God, forgive us, God, for ever feeling separated when the blood of Jesus Christ has closed the very gap that stood between you and us. That the veil has been torn. It was rent from top to bottom. That we might enter into the very throne room, God, where you are at because of what Christ has done. Help us to confess, to repent, to stay in such a way, God, that we are instant in season and out of season, ready to give a a word of hope for the faith that we have in us. Help us, God, to be found faithful We'll praise you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.